Now this week and next week, I'm kind of doing like a, a little two-part series. And it's around the idea, it's around the theme of being blessed and being a blessing. So being blessed, that's about who we are, what's happened to us, what we've received. And then being a blessing, what that means for, um, for other people. So blessed, what we've got, being a blessing to other people. But those words, blessed, blessing, they're really churchy words, aren't they? They're really kind of churchy words. But I'm going to guess that outside of church, we don't really use those words very much. Not unless um, someone sneezes, in which case we all say, bless you, exactly. Um, in church, I also reckon it's probably a word that we sing more than we would say. So we sing, uh, blessed be your name, blessed assurance. And even then, we sing it, well, we say those words in a funny way. We don't say, blessed be your name, or blessed assurance, blessed said. It's weird, isn't it, how we do that? And now, instinctively, even if we're not somebody who's been, you know, regularly kind of going to church, if we've not been kind of grown up going to church, we know that blessing is a good thing. If something good, it's, it describes something good that's happened. Oh, you've, you know, you've had a blessing or you've been blessed. Um, I mean, if something good has happened to you, you could describe that as being lucky. You know, oh, this happened to you. Oh, yeah, you were lucky. Or you could say, I was blessed. Lucky is something it feels impersonal. It's chance. It's random. But if you were saying, oh, this happened to me. I felt blessed by it. You're saying you really believe that somebody has blessed you. It's a deliberate thing. And for Christians, when we say that we've been blessed, when we trace it back, we're saying that's come from God. So what does blessing look like for us today? How does that change the way that we live with one another? We're going to look at God's Word now, and we're going to look at um, the New Testament book of Colossians, chapter 3. If you want to pick up one of the Bibles, um, <clears throat> seats beside you, we're in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to 17. It's page 1184. And these, it's a really, really well-known, I say, fairly well-known passage. I've been at St. James maybe about five, coming up for five years. I've heard it spoken on two or three different occasions. So I expect it will sound familiar. So Colossians 3 from verse 12. Let me read it for us. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with, one, eat, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since, as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom 
through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Maybe you picked up that actually the word blessing doesn't come up in that passage at all. Here I am saying we're going to be talking about being blessed and a blessing. We've given a Bible reading and the word blessing doesn't occur here. Or at least it's not obvious. But what does this passage say about Christians? What does, if you're trusting in Jesus, what does this passage say about you personally? We're going to focus on that for a moment. Because the Apostle Paul, he's writing to Christians, and throughout this letter, he's been telling them, keep your eyes focused on Jesus. He's been telling them, you know, stay rooted in Jesus, because Jesus, he is, he's everything. He's the everything. He's the creator of your life. He's your redeemer. He's your savior. And and he, he starts to warn them. He says, look, anything or anyone who says that they can offer you a little bit extra, a little bit more than Jesus, um, he says to them, don't fall for that. These people are telling you that, you know, you need to do this to, to, to get a little bit more, to get a little bit more blessed. And he's saying, these people, they're saying they're going to give you something which will improve your spiritual life. But in fact, those things are going to take you further away from God. Anyone or anything who says, Jesus is cool, But here's what you need to get the top up. Here's what you need to get the special VIP access to God. Anything like that is actually taking you further away from God. And this is serious. This is really serious. And so we actually probably need, before we even get into talk about what blessing is, we need to be clear about what blessing isn't. There are some people who want to say that unless you've had a particular kind of spiritual experience, some kind of, you know, ecstatic religious, um, spiritually or religious experience, then somehow you're not really a bona fide Christian. You're a little bit less than a real Christian. Basically, they're saying you're not really blessed. That, that occurs, sadly, but I don't think, I don't think it's, I really hope you're not going to hear that at all here at St. James. But something else also comes up. And there's this other idea that blessing, the blessing that we receive from God is all about the, the, the stuff that we get from God. And the more that we get is an indication of being more blessed by God. And this is also dangerous ground. It's a bit like saying to God, unless I get a better job, unless I get that promotion, unless I have better health, then I'm not really blessed. Or it might be saying, unless I'm doing successful in my career, unless I'm doing really, really well in my exams, unless, unless my friends all really, really like me and want to invite me to all their parties and stuff, unless I'm getting that fulfillment in my life, then I'm not really blessed. It's not just weird teaching. It's actually very wrong teaching. Being blessed, above all, is a spiritual thing. It's about a change 
that we undergo, a change that is given to us, a change in our identity in relation to God. We've gone from being residents of the kingdom of darkness to being residents of the kingdom of God's Son, the Lord Jesus. In one sense, it's a binary thing. You're either blessed or you're not. So that's the detour over. That's the negative. That's what blessing isn't. Blessing isn't about all the material stuff that you get. It's not about saying, if I get all these things, then I know I'm blessed. It's not even about saying a change in my mood or an improvement in my situation. No. Blessed is about our, being, about our relationship towards the living God. Do we live in harmony with him or not? But what, what does Paul then say positively about being blessed? Verse 12 is amazing. Verse 12 is incredible. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. If you're here this evening and you're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're looking at Jesus and saying, I want Jesus to be the center of my life, and even though I, I mess up and I don't always get it right sometimes, actually, I want Jesus, I'm looking to Jesus for, to sustain me, to forgive me, to, to find all my life on him. If, you're, if that's you, then you are chosen. You are holy. You are dearly blessed. Not when you've attained some kind of level of moral perfection, some kind of, you know, um, regularity in your Bible reading and praying. No, if you are trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, you are dearly loved, you are holy, you are chosen. Whatever week you've had, whatever, whatever kind of knockback you've faced, whatever kind of rejection you've had, whether actually you just know that inside you don't feel quite right with yourself or quite right compared to everyone else around you, Paul is saying if you're trusting Jesus, you are chosen, you are dearly loved. This is your holy. This is truth that you bet your whole life on. If you were here maybe about a year ago when Dave was going through the book of Ephesians under that title, Labels, maybe you remember that was the kind of thing we're talking about. Those labels that, that God gives to us, that he stamps on our forehead. Chosen, holy, dearly loved. Verse 13 says, you're forgiven. You are forgiven. And then it says, the, you're forgiven. The Lord has forgiven you. You have the message of Christ dwelling in you richly. You have a purpose because you were called to peace. You were called to be thankful. This is all part of what it means to be blessed. So, there we go. That's all wrapped up. That's what it means to be blessed. We sing the next song, and then we all leave and get on with our own individual lives. Not quite. Not quite. These truths are amazing, but Paul has something else, something actually even bigger in mind. Because this isn't just about you. This isn't just about you, you individually. Forgive me for pointing at you. My mum always said, don't point at people, but there we go. This isn't about you individually, but this is about us collectively. Being blessed is something 
that we experience all together. There are times when the Bible really does want to emphasize our personal, individual salvation. And that's really important because it means that if you're trusting in Jesus, then whatever kind of family you've had, if it's been difficult, if it's been challenging, um, you know, if you're the only one who's a Christian in your family or in your workplace, your individual salvation means that your relationship with God matters. You're not going to be held responsible for what went on in your family or in your workplace or in your, you know, your, your, your culture or your background because it's your relationship with God. But elsewhere, Paul wants to, elsewhere, the Bible teaches us that because we have been saved individually, part of this new identity now means we're part of a family. All of us who trust in Jesus are in a new family, a bigger family. And the blessing then that we've received from God when he's given us that salvation, when he's given us that new identity, is now meant to whoomph, overflow. Think of a fountain, water feature. I don't know, maybe you've got one in, in, your, in your garden, maybe your parents had one. What do you do? You kind of turn the tap on. You hear the water running through, and the water runs through, spurts out at the top, overflows, fills the feature and the ornament and all that kind of stuff below. When it's done that, when it's filled it, do you just turn it off and say, well, there we go. Five seconds, you know, ten seconds or whatever, water's come up. There, look, there's the water. No. What's the point of that? What's the point of a fountain that just is stagnant? meant to overflow. It's meant to overflow. It's considering shaking up a bottle and spraying it over, but no, it won't, won't do that. But you get the point, don't you? A fountain is meant to be dynamic. It's meant to fill so it would overflow and spill again and again and again and again and again. And so Paul tells these Christians, your chosen people, not just individually chosen, but collective, you're a people together. He says, you are holy, you are dearly loved, and because you've received that blessing, now let that overflow in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. The picture Paul uses here is, isn't one of a fountain but rather clothing. And essentially, the message is kind of the same. He's saying, be who you are. Just as a fountain is meant to overflow and be filled and overflow, clothing is, he's saying, dress up for what you're meant to be. Dress up for who you are. Dress up according to your new identity. On Friday, um, I had the privilege of taking a wedding here. It was a, a, an incredible occasion. The, the couple are Christians. They love the Lord Jesus. They don't attend our church. They attend a church um, in Tottenham. And the thing is about a wedding is that everyone dresses up. Everyone dresses up because they know that they are at a wedding. Now, of course, fashion tastes will differ. But whatever it is, whatever you consider good that's what you want to wear at a wedding. You know that you're not just going off to Sainsbury's. 
No, you're going to a wedding. You know you're not just going to get a coffee. No, you're going to a wedding. You're going to make sure that you look good. You're going to make sure that you look different from the norm. You've been blessed. You're chosen, declared holy, dearly loved. Verse 13 says you're forgiven. Verse 15 says you're members of one body, the body of Christ. You have a purpose. You are called to peace. And this is the blessing. This is the spiritual blessing that we have so that we would live it out. So that these would be the clothes that we would wear. And one of the first places that we get to do that is with each other here within the life of the church. The title I'd kind of notionally given to this talk was How to Be a Blessing for Your Church. And I'm not sure, again, what you think of that, what it means to be a blessing to a church. Does it mean kind of financial giving, financial blessing? Does it mean how we serve, you know, on the tech team, on music, on all those things? Is that how we are to be a blessing? Those things are important. Don't get me wrong, they're really important. But at a deeper level, being a blessing to the church is about how we live in relationship with each other. Listen to those virtues that Paul mentions. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing one another, with one another, forgiveness, love, gratitude. How many of those things do you practice on your own? when was the last time you said, I've been really humble with myself recently? You know, when when, when you said, actually, I was was very gentle on myself. I suppose you can, but not fully. Not fully. These things, they're meant to be practiced towards someone else. And obviously, this isn't a pick-and-mix list. You can't say, well, I'm choosing love today, but not forgiveness. Now, here's the thing. People look at that list, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness, love, gratitude. We see that kind of list, and we all say, hmm, yeah, I want to be a part of a community like that. I want to be that's what, that's what church should be like. We like the idea of it. We do like the idea of it. But the reality can be very different. I don't know you. I know some of you fairly well. I know some of you reasonably well. Most of you I don't know all that well. I don't know your backgrounds. don't know your experience with church. I don't know whether... Some of you have felt a bit wounded at church because you'd gone to a church and it wasn't like this. Or maybe it was actually the opposite. And maybe you're here this evening and actually you've just been taking kind of like tiny little baby steps back into church life. If that's you, I'm sorry that life has been hard. I'm sorry that that, that Christian life hasn't been what it's meant to be. And I'm going to say, yes, continue to take things slowly. But remember, you know, we're we're not a perfect church. But I hope by showing that, by talking about things, that you can see that we're a church, that we want to grow in this. But what about the rest of us? Those of us who do call St. James 
our church, who do call St. James our church family, how much of this do we really live out with one another? It was great to, to hear people turning around and chatting with one another and talking and, and sharing your own stories. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. Because we all know it's really easy just to kind of, you know, kind of come to church maybe once a week, sing the songs, listen to a talk, maybe have a little bit of a discussion at the end, and then that's it, go home. Job done till next Sunday. Is that really us living this out? Maybe we prefer it that way. Because let's face it, it's hard to get to know people. It's hard to get to know people beyond our usual friendship circles. It's hard to really maybe share something personal in a prayer time. It's hard to share something with someone and then risk them forgetting to pray about it and then you're left thinking, oh no, I've just opened up and nobody seems to responded that way. Maybe it's harder to say, I'm going to join a small group, or harder to say, I'm going to go along to, um, you know, the midweek prayer meeting, the, the monthly prayer gathering, because I don't know anyone there. When was the last time you forgave someone in church? When was the last time you had to show humility or patience towards someone else in church? Maybe we're thinking, well, I've never needed to do that. I've not done it. I don't need to do it because I get on with everyone. Maybe so. Maybe so. But maybe you've not needed to forgive someone or to show patience with them because you've never been in a situation where you've needed to. Maybe we've never needed to forgive anyone because we don't actually know anyone. Why is that? Maybe we would like to get to know people better in church, but we just feel like we're so busy that we don't have the time to really get to know people. And I get that, I understand that, but are we doing what we can? Are we in a smaller group? Because... It, you know, in a larger church, and St. James is a larger church usually, um, it can be hard to get to know lots of people well. But are we in a smaller kind of setting where, where that kind of relationship is easier to do? Are we in a small group, whether that's a pastorate or going along to, um, um, for those of you in that, that matters, in, um, are you in one of the youth groups? Another way to know people is by serving with them regularly. Sometimes it's been said that guys find it easier to get to know people when you're doing something alongside them rather than having to look at them in the face and kind of make conversation with them. But you're getting on and you're doing something together. That can maybe open up opportunities to talk. Do we pray regularly with other people? Mention again the monthly prayer gathering. First Wednesday of the month we meet together. It's a great chance to meet other people and to pray with them. Now, don't get me wrong, pastorates, serving, prayer together, these aren't simply ways to get to know other people. But this is about being the blessing that God has called us to be. But maybe also, maybe there's also something else that we need to repent of. 
maybe we don't really know anyone because we're simply not interested in knowing anyone. When it comes to the idea of having friends in church, we're just a bit, meh. Is it no surprise then that we won't have an opportunity to show compassion or patience if we're just a bit about one another in church? Maybe it's a bit stronger than apathy even. Sadly, people in church can be proud. There's no way we would say it publicly, but in our hearts we can think, there's no way I could be friends with that kind of person. They're just too different. They're just too weird. I don't really think they've got anything to offer me as a friend. And you might think, Mark, that's, that's a bit extreme. But I know it's true. Because in the past, that was me. It's something I've had to repent of. It's something I still have to keep working on. Pride in my own heart. So let's get ready then. Let's wrap this up. Do we want to be a blessing to other people. I hope so. If that's, that's the case, let's remember these simple truths. If you're trusting Jesus for all your life, for forgiveness of sins, then you have already been blessed. You've been blessed with forgiveness. And God has called you. He has chosen you. You are holy. You are set apart. You are dearly loved. Secondly, you are blessed. You are blessed for a reason, and that was to be a blessing to other people, to overflow with compassion, gentleness, kindness, humility, and patience, and all sorts of other things. And you were called to be that blessing within your church family. Lastly, to keep overflowing, we need to remember the message of grace, that all those things that we've been called to share with other people, that we receive them first, from Jesus. I'm going to pray now, um, and then um, we're going to try and sing together. But let's just take maybe 20 seconds of silence, reflection, and then I'll lead us in a prayer. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Father God, thank you that in Christ Jesus we know incredible blessing. Thank you that you have given us a new identity, a, a new status, a new relationship with you, not through what we have done to earn it, not through us trying to clean up ourselves up, kind of getting our act together, but because of your grace and your mercy. Thank you for that joy of being blessed with, with forgiveness, with adoption, with redemption. And Father, we pray that you would give us hearts that would want to overflow with that blessing, that we would not take our church family for granted, but we would see them as, as family who are to be blessed for us to be able to receive blessing from them. Father, I pray that you would deal with any pride in our hearts, 
with any apathy or any indifference. Forgive us for when we kind of prioritize friendship with the world rather than deep friendship with you, with your body, with Christ's body. So we pray for, for wisdom to know how to grow into this, to grow into this deeper community. Not that we suddenly divulge every secret to everybody. So give us wisdom in how we do that, but that our life would be enriched by knowing your presence flowing out to one another. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.